This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rochelle Travers and this is The Leader. Should the police be allowed to strike? The Police Federation of England and Wales is demanding a minimum 17% pay increase for officers and suggests their salaries are negatively affected by restrictions on their right to take industrial action. Police officers have been prohibited from striking by law for over a century, the most recent legislation being the Police Act 1996. But as health workers, teachers and others fight for better pay and working conditions, should the police be allowed to do the same? In a statement, a Home Office spokesperson said, The role of the police remuneration review body is to consider evidence and make recommendations to the government on the appropriate level of pay and allowances. We highly value the expert advice of the PRRB and we will continue to give very careful consideration to their recommendations. The PRRB provides independent advice to the government on pay and conditions for police officers at or below the rank of Chief Superintendent. Steve Hartson is the National Chair of the Police Federation of England and Wales. There's a, a Social Market Foundation report which has been released today. It basically says that the UK uh, police officer pay has declined by 17% in real terms since the year 2000. So it's only natural that, obviously, I want the best pay rising conditions I can for my members. So... I don't think that's an unreasonable request to say, look, let's get back to where we should be. 17% is a good figure. It might seem high to many. However, that's what the, the figures that SMF have used are based on the um, figures from the Office of National Statistics. So it's the government's own figures which prove what we need and how far we are behind. If you look at the current cost of living crisis that everybody, not just my police officer colleagues, are facing, inflation, I believe, is running at about 10%. So everyone's feeling the pinch. But given that my colleagues haven't had a real terms pay rise, um, that's been effective over the last 20 years, that's what we're basically calling for something to be done. Because if you look at what the submission is to the, the current pay review process, the government have set that limit at 3.5%. That's derisory. That's not good enough for a profession which is charged with keeping this country safe, upholding the laws and orders set by Parliament. So it, it, I think it's a fair request and nothing we've ever asked for over the past 20, 30 years has ever been unreasonable. So we just want the government to start valuing police officers and, and honour the agreement that we had since 1919 that we didn't have the right to take industrial action because we told we'll be looked after in terms of our paying conditions. That promise has been broken. Obviously, we're seeing numerous groups of public sector workers striking at the moment over pay and other issues. Do you think the police should be allowed to strike? My belief is, if you look at the report by SMF, what it clearly states, it says that you know that that pay decline is probably linked to the restrictions on our private lives because we we can't take any decisive action. You know, we can't even talk about working to rule because it could be counted as what's called disaffection. That would be me as a national chair. If I was to go out to say to my colleagues, "Don't do overtime," 
don't do your daily inspections, don't work uh, beyond the, the, the limits of your shift. That could be potentially stopping them from doing their job. That's disaffection. It's a criminal offence. So I think it's right that in any modern society, when you have police officers and anyone that's employed, certainly by government, they should have that right to hold the government to account, to be able to state their case fairly, because at the moment, our pay is imposed on us. Um, there's no negotiations whatsoever. The limits are set by the government. So naturally, I want the best of my colleagues. And if that leads us to having to consider balloting the members to seek potential rights uh, as people in unions have and everybody else can have, then that's probably a step we'll have to consider. But we'll do that with the full knowledge of our, my National Council members and the membership. Steve, there's a real distinct lack of public trust and confidence in the police as it stands, especially after Wayne Cousins and David Carrick. That also seems to be met officers in court constantly at the moment for alleged criminal behaviour. What would you say to those who have lost confidence in the police and maybe don't think a pay rise is deserved? I think that's potentially conflating two completely separate issues. We don't hold to account nurses for the sins of, say, Dr. Howard Shipman, or I think it was Beverly Aller over the child cases, or when you go back as far as the Cleveland case and, and people that got children taken away from families. We don't castigate an entire portion of a profession because of the sins of a few. Now, don't get me wrong, what those two people have done are absolutely horrendous, but no right-thinking police officer ever wants those people in their ranks, and we, we arrest them, we prosecute them, and we put them in prison. That's where they should be. That's a separate issue to pay. Why should the vast majority of my members have to suffer for the sins of what is a, a minority in policing? It, it's not right. No other profession gets that same level of intrusive criticism as policing does. If we get it wrong, we acknowledge it, we learn from it, but every single police officer out there, they're becoming disheartened by their pay and their conditions. Is it any wonder we're seeing for the first time last year the highest attrition rate of 8,000 people left the service? In three years' time, that could potentially be 24,000 of my colleagues who have gone. That's completely undone the recent uplift we've had to get 20,000 back in. So things have got to change. Let's go to the ads. Stay there to hear more from Steve Hartson on what might be the Police Federation's next move. The government doesn't respond to their demands. Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. Steve, how would you describe the standard of policing right now? 
I completely accept the point that you probably don't see policing um, unless you see it going past in a marked police car with blue lights and two towns. But what you also don't see is my detective colleagues and other colleagues going to court every single day, bringing cases before the magistrate's court and the Crown Court, trying to get the very best prosecution and sentencing they can. Um, policing is on its knees. L- let's make no bones about it. Um, I recently went from uh, Essex where I live over to Duffer Powers in West Wales. I didn't see a single police officer until I got there. That was a bit disheartening because if you don't see a police officer, potentially you're opening up that opportunity for crime. So we in the service want as many police officer colleagues as we can out there, walking, talking, greeting the public, responding to the calls properly. But we also need qualified, experienced detectives to take those cases, prosecute them. Crime has increased significantly over the past 10 years, and so has the population the country but we haven't had a proportionate increase in police officers so we as much as anybody want more colleagues to do the job because you as the public myself as a member of the public when i'm not working i expect to see cops out there it's reassuring then we can engage with them when it's not just a a point of confrontation it's a a matter of talking to them perhaps when they're out buying a coffee having the break in the public so you can actually get to know them and understand the job they do Away from pay, what else would you like to see that would help improve working conditions for police Uh, initially what we'd like is for the remit authority, which is set by the, the Home Office to the Police Remuneration Review Body, that needs to change. We believe that the, the PRRB, they should be free to recommend whatever they want. And ideally for the government to accept that. So if by chance the PRRB was to listen to our calls, but they're not just our calls. These are the calls set by the MPCC submission, the Police Superintendent Association. But if we also look at the Metropolitan Police Pay submission, smart role calls out there, that 17% deficit in pay that we need. If they came back and said, you know what, we think they deserve 70%, the government should honour that. We are a very, very small portion of the country. 145,000 cops asked to protect over 66, um, I think, million people. It's, it's the right thing to do. If you don't have law and order, things start to deteriorate, as we see, and that's not good enough. On a personal level, what's morale like amongst you and your colleagues at the moment? At, at the station, in the office, work with your team. You've probably got a a good level of camaraderie. But you can't help but be affected by the constant battering we're getting um, in the mainstream media, social media. Some of it is justified, but some of it isn't. We, we tend to get vilified for everything we do. You know, I touched on recently when I just said, you know, speak to a police officer when they buy their refs. If you pop into your local coffee shop to get a cup of coffee and a sandwich, people abuse you for saying, why aren't you out doing your job? It's disheartening all the time. What we'd like is a complete reset with the public. We want to do the very, very best job that we can. We want to be out there catching villains, dealing with the public, showing the good side of policing. But we also need public support. When you haven't got it, it becomes very disheartening. So is it any wonder to say we see people leaving the service on a regular basis now, finding alternative employment? If that isn't fixed in years to come, we could have far lower police number than we've ever had before. And there's only one outcome. It will increase crime and then the public will be even more concerned. If the police don't get the pay rise that you're asking for, what's your next move? Well, potentially the next move, if we if we don't get a significant pay rise, is with our, our national council, which is our, our our local chairs, secretaries, and protected characteristic seats, where we'll have an annual meeting. Uh, we'll discuss what we need to take as next steps. That might be a consideration for balloting our membership as to what they want us to do. That may well be a set of questions around: Do you wish us to seek? taking the government to court to seek industrial action. Again, we have to be careful because I can't promote disaffection within policing. I can't tell my colleagues not to work. So we have to be guided as to what the law says and how we phrase such a question. But then, of course, if the membership comes back and say, yes, we do want you as the Police Federation of England and Wales and the National Council to stop that process to seek industrial action, then we'll do so. It will cost a lot of money, but it will take an awful long time because having looked at the case law around it, um, 
successive governments have said, no, you will never get the right to strike. If you look at the current government who are potentially looking to increase the minimum levels of people that must be available, that wouldn't help our cause either. So before we do anything, we have to do an information campaign to our colleagues across the country, ask them a set of questions so they understand fully what potentially getting industrial rights might mean. Because if you're given one set of rights, you're also given or rather you'll have taken away another set of basic entitlements we do have, like at the moment we can't be made redundant. Um, so it's a balancing act about what we might achieve by what we might lose. So it'd be carefully thought out, but you know, it's the membership decision. We are guided by them. And then I will do whatever the membership tells us to do and take it as far as we can. And that's it from The Leader. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.